1: Game League! G'day guys, welcome to Talking League, we're at uh, Monday nights, Team Doctor, one of our favourite shows for the week, I'm your host TK, no Gussie tonight but we've definitely got Riley in the house, Riley, you're pretty excited about to tonight mate. Yeah TK, looking forward, to
0: it. a little bit nervous. Actually, a bit of royalty on the show, so it should be good.
1: Yeah, tonight we've got former NRL and Melbourne Storm Premiership winner, Tony Martin. Loves his fantasy, so it's going to be great to chat to Tony. But if you want to be part of the show, just drop us a line on any of the social medias, Talking League Pod across Facebook and also Instagram. So just drop us an instant message there or send us an email at info at com. We'll get you on one of the Monday shows, which will continue all the way through the preseason. And then we will continue that during the normal season as well. All right, guys. What we'll do is we're going to bring the champion himself. And joining us right now, all the way from Rocky, is Tony Martin. How are you, Tony?
2: Good. Very good. So excited. You're nervous. I'm nervous, mate. I I can't get the top 1,000. So, mate, that's why I've come here for the help.
1: (laughs) Mate, well, I'll just give you a little bio for the ladies and gentlemen out there, because not everyone's as old as I am. So... Tony, he is, I just even shut down his bio. So he played in the Super League, something like 180 first grade games, 120 in the NRL. Scored nearly 100 tries across his career. He was a goal kicker. He actually kicked one field goal. And the biggest, I guess, the highlight of the career, the 1999 NRL Premiership, the first at the Melbourne Storm. But mate, such an illustrious career. Give me, why don't you give me, apart from the, the NRL Grand Final, what, what's the highlight of the career?
2: Uh, I would say my very first first-grade game. Uh, so my first first-grade game was actually in England. Uh, played for the London Broncos. So I went straight from Gladstone over to England on a scholarship from the Brisbane Broncos to the London Broncos. So, yeah, I was fortunate enough to play first-grade in England at 17 years of age, Wow, uh, which was exciting. So for me, I was playing with blokes like Peter Gill, uh, Greg Barwick, Kevi Langer, so younger people wouldn't know who they are. But to me, they were superstars. They were Bikes who played in the Winfield Cup and gone to England to sort of finish their career. So as a 17-year-old, I was pretty excited to do that. Um, the one field goal that you talk about um, was actually in the very first year. It wasn't in my first game, but it was in my first year of playing first grade. So I was 17. Uh, we were playing Wigan, who were a super powerhouse at the time, six all at half time. The coach, Tony Carey, says to me, you can kick a field goal. I said, yeah, he goes, go straight out and kick a field goal. So <laughs> Tony Ray gives you the ball, kick a field goal, 7-6. Uh, I think we got beat thirty-eight-seven. So yeah, everyone wonders why I like someone kicked the field. I like, "Yeah, sorry about that." But uh, but yeah, so that that's yeah, I I lived a a long and and very exciting life. Seventeen years I got to play first grade, but yeah, it was it was awesome. lived my dream. So yeah, it was it was great.
1: Outstanding career, mate. I've got to ask. I always wanted to ask you this, and I just want to bring it this: this guy in the corner here with that headgear, that coloured headgear, <laughs> Tony. What was that about? <laughs>
2: So my junior club, I'm from, I'm from Gladstone, uh, just an hour south of here, Rocky, uh, and I played, my junior club was Wallabies. So our colours are orange and black. So um, Dad always made me wear headgear. My brother was a couple of years older than me, Darren. Um, so I started playing when I was four uh, mm. because I, I really wanted to play. And Dad said, if you're playing, you have to wear headgear. So I wore headgear enough for the first couple of years. I said, oh, you know, can you jazz it up a bit? So he started painting it. So he painted, <laughs> he painted the orange, to make it orange and black like all of his colours. So he used to put shoe <laughs> paints on it. Um, and he did that for, for years and years and years, I think, um, like right through my junior career. And it wasn't until um, I think I got to Melbourne and Brett Kamoli's late wife, Sharni, um, she used to do it for me. So, um, so yeah, so I stuck around for a long time until sponsorships and things like that started to, to come about. And, uh, yeah, then they canned it and they said, we're going to pay you
1: so you're not wearing the orange one anymore. So, you're gone, but yeah, that's where that came from. I like it. Riley, before I change the tune a little bit, any questions you want to ask, Tony?
0: Um, I suppose with the work you do now, Tony, working with the Capras a little bit, sort of um, what's that involve in our day-to-day and where you at so far in the pre-season?
2: Yep. So, for us with the Capras, I'm the assistant coach here for the, for the Q Cup boys. Uh, so, I go down a couple of nights a week. Uh, I'm here at home games. I guess I've a very good agreement uh, with a coach that I don't have to go to away games, you know, when we sort of got together a couple of years ago and he asked me to get involved I sort of said, oh, you know, I've done this to my family for a long time being away every second week, so he was very very good in, in sort of saying, yeah, no just whatever whatever time you can give so, so yeah, so I'm down a couple of nights a week my main thing is sort of with the, obviously with the outside backs, I do a lot of the, the edge defence back five type stuff, bit of goal kicking um, coaching as well with the goal kickers um, And yeah we They went fantastic Last year uh, Had a really good year Finished fifth um, Which was fantastic We've lost some Some good players But we've, we've gained a few As well this year So yeah So we'll, we'll see how we go So we had a trial Obviously on Saturday night Against mm. the Dolphins Which was their First game down in Gladstone So that was good uh, We have a trial this week Against Mackay Up in Mackay And then two weeks later In PNG Against the, the Hunters And then I think the comp starts Maybe the week after The NRL starts So so, yeah, they're, they're, they're starting to get excited now because the footies are around. There's no more fitness. on on the nasty guy that takes the Saturday morning <laughs> session. So, uh, so yeah, so none of those anymore. So so I think they're happy to see the footies a bit out, out on the field a bit more.
1: Yeah, that troll game against the Dolphins, Tony, I was watching a little bit of the highlights. That Katoa, very poised. Like some of the um, plays yeah. that he was putting yeah. on was extraordinary for a 19-year-old.
2: Mate, I, I I was a bit the same as you, TK. I sort of watched the game, and I I hadn't seen him play. I'd heard the reports, you know, but um, the first time he touched the ball, and like from where we were sort of sitting, you couldn't see the the numbers or who was who. Mm. And he was he was like Jason Smith. He got the ball and he just slowed down, and yeah. the whole game slowed. You know, and then he took off and he did something and made space and just like went who the hell was that it's like oh that's that young kid like man he can play yeah so yeah he's like i don't know if he'll i don't know if he'll get to play first grade this year maybe he will he's in a tough team you know so um fantasy wise i don't know how he'll go but yeah he's he's certainly a player for the future because yeah i yeah it was pretty good what he did for for his age at, at that sort of level you know we are q cup level we're not nrl but it is a a fair standard, and yeah, he looked very, very good.
1: Yeah, what'd you make of left centre the Tafare? but I felt for your your fullback. You tried to stop him on that fourth on that fourth try, sent him flying.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, this might sound very controversial. I I believe if he plays in the NRL, he'll get eaten alive by NRL centres and halves and fullbacks. I, I just don't think he's mobile enough. Like, he's a big body, and when he carries. Yeah, like, say, so is hard to stop in, but again, NRL is a different level. Um, yeah, I'll be interested to see if he if he played. I, like, I know for me, again, I do our edge stuff, and again, this will probably sound awful. I hope he doesn't listen to this, but um, we, like, I was telling our boys to target him, like to to go at him with numbers. Again, like, he's not played a lot of league edge defense. Is a is a sort of a specialised area, and yeah, I I just yeah yeah I'll be interested to see, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's a good observation because he's 107 kilos, Tony. Like. You're a center. What were you like? Ninety kilos.
2: When I play, yeah, eighty-eight. Yeah, yeah. But that's like yeah. when you but think I, even the now. Like... The, boys are, the boys are bigger now, but yeah, I like I say, he, he may he may improve out of sight for night. And this is a very technical thing, but you know, he just planted his feet a lot, and then he's a big body to sort of get going. And NRL players are, you know, the halves and stuff these days are very very good at going to the line, and getting people to plant. It's, yeah, there's a center or a fullback that gets on the outside of him, I think they'll they'll have him. So yeah. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be interested to see how he goes. He's he's got some good coaches there and I'm sure they're working on that type of thing. So
1: Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, interesting. Now Tony, let's talk fantasy, mate. That's what we're here to do. Now mate, it's yes, mate, see. it's great to have someone that played literally a three hundred professional games actually now <laughs> loving fantasy and continuing to love it. And I guess you see it from a different aspect, but how'd you first kind of land onto NRL fantasy?
2: Oh, well, I'll tell you how. Um, when I lived in England, uh, we had a, our kit man was a mad soccer, like football supporter, soccer supporter. Mm. And so I used to play um, Fantasy Premier League with him. Like I was a West Ham supporter but didn't know many of the other teams, didn't know many players. So I got into that. So it wasn't until we came home and then all of a sudden NRL Dream Team and Fantasy sort of started to kick <laughs> off. And I was like, oh, this is like my two loves in one. Like how good is this? <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's it's – I do love it and it is and it is a bit weird because when I was playing, like I hated stats. I hated people that just would go and carry the ball just for the sake of it to get a stat. Oh, you know, run to see the stat sheets like on a, on a Monday and it's like, please, you know, and now it's like I'm in there like, you didn't have carry <laughs> me like, this 10 last time. You didn't a carry hang on, uh, hang on. Is that because so, you did nothing
1: on the field? Is that what you're trying to say?
2: Yeah. Oh mate. If this had been around when I was playing, I would have been terrible. I would have I would have, Trap City. You know when you play Trap City? That would have been made. Like, oh this guy plays very well. Like, no, sure, you can you can be the team. It's like, yeah, no. I mate, I, I hung around with good players. I was I was very lucky. Um so so yeah, no, so so I love fantasy. Yeah, we have good banter with my son, we've We've got just the, the one. He's just turned 18. He's mad into his, his NRL fantasy, like I said before. He's just starting his own podcast in the stands. So it's like, oh, mate. So he finished in the top 150 last last year. So wow. I was oh, mate, so there is this. So this is why I'm here, boys. Like, I <laughs> need to be this guy. Just, just doesn't stop banging on about it for the last four months. So, yeah, so I need the help.
1: I love it. Riley, any questions for him?
0: Uh, no, I'm all good. TK's just great to be on with the man.
1: Yeah, I love it. Now, mate, in terms of you, you know, you played, you started as a centre. You You've played fullback, wing, mm-hmm. and then I even saw at the back end of your career, you played a little bit of five eight. So, you, mate, your dual position, you're right. You dual position, your goal kicking, you break a few tackles yeah. in a grand final one day. What, mate? What would you have averaged?
2: Uh, I reckon probably about twenty three.
0: I I don't think I ever busted
2: out of a tackle. Uh, My goal kicking would have carried me. I think I was like I was a decent goal kicker. Uh, I didn't score tries (laughs) regularly, but I scored enough. I I, well, I made Marcus By's career. I was was only talking to him the other day. I said, "Mate, I can't remember how many tries I set you up for." So I might have got a few tries. Tries, mate. Yeah, yeah, tackling. I was. Yeah, I was a good defender. Yeah, yeah. No, I wouldn't have got a lot. I I didn't go looking for the ball on our half, let's put it that
1: way. Uh, At least you played in a good team yeah. like the Storm. So you would have picked up a view. Yeah,
2: I did. And even when I went to the Warriors we were we were pretty handy when I when I sort of first went over there. So yeah, no, Like I said, I was fortunate to play in a good team, but yeah, I don't think this would have suited my game.
1: <laughs> All right, Tony, you're here for a reason. Let's rip in for your teammate. Yeah. So tosses ham hammers. So explain that first, mm-hmm. bud.
2: That's uh, So my brother, that was the nickname he gave me when I was a kid, Tozza. So anyone who knows me from probably when I was born to when I was about so 18, 19 would call me Tozza. That's, it's where I sort of, if people come up to me and, and say hello, like I can normally put them into two different categories. The people who know me up till about 18, 19 call me Tozza. Everyone else calls me Marto. So it's like if someone says like, oh, yeah, I can sort of think, now where do I know this person from? <laughs> uh, the Hammonds is I'm a... Uh, just a mad West Ham supporter. Okay. So, yeah, I was a season ticket holder when I lived in England. And, nice. Yeah, so the Hammers, so that's that's where that comes from. But, uh, but yeah, so.
1: All right, Riley, for the people listening, not viewing, do you mind reading out the team sheet?
0: So, at Hawker, we've got Reece Robson. In the starting mids, we've got Reuben Cotter, who's also his vice captain, along with Paddy Carrigan and Adam Elliott. Starting on the edge, we've got Luke Garner and Jermaine Hopgood. In the halves, we've got Nico Hines, who's his captain, partnered with Jackson Hastings. The starting centres are Remus Smith and Isaac Thompson, with Brian Toho, CNK and Hayes Perham, the wing fullbacks. On the bench, we have the cheese, Tana Boyd, Tamari Martin and Sean Bloor, with Ray Stone, Matt Dory, Tommy Talau and Tyrell Sloan being the four emergencies.
1: Hang on, Tony. Tony's put Tamari Martin on (laughs) because he thinks it's him.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I just love seeing T. Martin on my team. Like, <laughs> he will never get subbed out. Like, he will always be number 16 or 17.
1: <laughs> I love it. Riley, first thoughts on Tony's team? Uh,
0: he's just strong captain. He in TK in Nico Hines. He's got seven guns above 600K, including Cheese, which means he's got a great number of cash cows in his squad. Guns including Robson, Cotter, Carrigan, Elliot, Cheese and Hastings all have scoring. And price upside, which helps maximize the usage of his 10 million salary. Great cash cow selections in Ghana, Hopgood, hop Perham, and Boyd. Mm. Most people start with Thompson due to the upside, but track his role in job security. Same goes for Remus Smith and Bloor. Also, that might be the Team Martin from a few years ago. <laughs> Spend appropriate salary on your emergencies. So, 250K is a general rule of thumb as a max. And then Dorian Sloan looked to have high job security and scoring upside to allow in an improved Tigers team and provides adequate cover. Bennett loves Stone with potential for him to move into a more significant role as the 2023 season progresses due due to coming back from an ACL injury.
1: Mm, Mate, I really love the forward pack here, Tony. It's going to score you plenty of points. I do. I know we're going to talk a little bit about gun hookers, and we're going to rip into the whole team. But I do think Raleigh, that he sets the tone with his gun hooker from the start, especially with the late buy there for the for the cows there, Ross.
0: Yeah, definitely, TK, and that stood out to me as well. Um, we we'll, we want to start strong in that hooker with a gun, and with Robson, he's not probably not going to play Origin, so we're going to have him all the way through to round sixteen. Plus, he paid. Round 15, sorry, with that bye. But then he plays in the 13 and 16 major bye rounds as well. So that's a big key for me to start the season and you're going to get off to a strong start there.
1: Yeah, good news on Adam Elliott today as well, guys. Like He rejoined the main group, which is great because he's been, I think, struggling with a little bit of injury. So he's out of the rehab group, back into the main group, which is great because we want to see him out there playing big minutes because I think he's underpriced, especially if he does get 60 minutes. But let's rip in, Tony. First question, mate.
2: Rightio, um, so yeah, I suppose it's around that gun hooker. So do I go with Robson um, from the start or do I put Cheese sort of to nine? Uh, I like Teg Wilton so I could put him on the bench, mm. uh, upgrade Carrigan to Tarpeny and that would still give me 212 k um, to upgrade my centres and bench and emergencies.
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting question, and Rolls, I'll let you tackle it. One thing that, just just tackling the Wilton part first, and I'll just give you a little bit of mail that at the moment, Storm are probably going to play Liero and Katoa on the edges. So you're going to pick up two. If if you want one of those two, you'll, you'll save a lot of money, and then you don't have to worry about Wilton pairing up with Hines either and losing him when the Sharks have a buy early. But sorry to cut you off there, Raleigh. You go for your life, man.
0: Uh- Completely agree with what you said, TK, and he's probably not going to agree with me here since he wants T. Martin in his team, but <laughs> based off your current balance, I would look to shift cheese to hooker and then add Katoa Oliero to your bench, upgrade Carrigan to Tarpany then, and then you can upgrade Bloor to someone like Stefano Nichols or I'm really keen on Hesnia, and I've actually brought him into my side. He's going to have that mid-edge duel, so plenty of versatility there with high job security at the start of the season as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, those last two interchange spots, I really would uh, look to strengthen them, upgrade them. Cotter and Carrigan are both going to be trade-outs around the origin period. So I would be looked to going with one of them so you save a trade um, then by going with Tarpany. I prefer Cotter in my team over Carrigan just because I see Cotter having a bigger role uh with Tamalolo compared to what Carrigan and Haas do so that's my reasoning there Um, but Wilton is a great pod if you did want to go down that path but for that one week uh, when the Sharkies have their buy it's just a lot of cash sitting on your emergencies um, not being used so like TK suggested I would hint at going down that Liero and Katoa path.
1: Mm. So were you did you drop Robson out there Ollie?
0: Ah uh, yeah, so cheese goes up to Hooker.
1: Okay, gotcha. I would actually leave Robson in there if you can't afford it, and I'll probably go opposite to Riley only because not because I think Carrigan's that much better than Cotter. I've just got because you don't have any other Broncos players in your team, so sometimes it might be safe just to maybe just have one player from each team, especially with Cotter and Carrigan. I think will score very very similar, but at the same time, if you take uh, Riley's strategy, then I probably would go Cotter. It's just kind of the strategy you're going to take from the top. Once you decide who your hook is going to be, I think you're going to get the rest of it kind of come back down. So, okay, you've got some great options there. You can easily start cheese because the biggest thing that I'm probably just hesitant on taking someone as high in salary as Robson is I'm just not convinced over 27 rounds that they're not going to start managing a lot more hookers coming forward, especially early in the season when it's so hot. Like you live in Rocky, both of you live in Rocky. And even in Sydney, like at the moment, today was 35 degrees. So I'm thinking that the weather's actually been quite nice over the last couple of months. That might continue. And then all of a sudden we see, you know, coaches having to play utilities on the bench because early in the season they might not be able to play 80 minutes. So it might be a situation where maybe if we sit back, we might get these guys a little bit cheaper. And then you know what it's like. You've played so much first grade, Tony. Once it starts becoming a little bit cooler then these guys maybe are able to play a lot more 80 minutes, especially when you want them playing in the back end of the season. So maybe it might be a, a great suggestion for maybe take a little bit less conser- – uh, sorry, more conservative with cheese and then look to bring Robson out maybe after kind of that first kind of six rounds when it gets a little bit cooler. So that could be a great strategy, the one that Riley suggested for you as well, man.
2: Beautiful. I'm all over it. Yeah. I've had that day out. I've had three days with no with no changing in the team, so I'm like I'm ready I'm ready to start making changes.
1: <laughs> I love it. Next question, Tone.
2: Uh, uh, thoughts on Brian Toho? So should I go with him? Sawali um, I like, who's a bit cheaper. Also like a, a couple of Smokies. So Greg Marju, who's gone to Newcastle, and Jojo Fafita at the Titans, sort of in the Brian Toho mould. Uh, meter eaters. Um, but what are your thoughts
1: on that? Yeah, it's a great question. Raleigh, it's interesting, especially with Torhor moving from the left to the right. Like, I know that it was COVID ball in 2021, but he averaged 59 on the left, goes to the right, and he averages 39. But do we have any bounce back, do you think?
0: He's currently owned by 9.25% of coaches too, TK, which is actually quite surprising. I think moving onto that right edge again this year with Kikau leaving and Coruscant departing to the Tigers as well, Cleary is going to demand more ball. And with Martin, uh, hopefully he's fit and that AC joint settles down, with Martin being a senior and representative member, he's going to demand more shape out on that side. So I would expect Toho to get more ball this year and more try scoring upside um, with Stephen Crichton there as well. He is an attacking weapon. So um, he may not reach the heights of 2021, um, but we do project him out at 40 to 42 points per game here at Talking League. So... Um, that gives him at least two points of value with greater try scoring upside this year, I believe.
1: Yeah, Tony, look, I think he's got, like Riley said, plenty of upside. It's just spending 550 k especially in the centres, right? Because the centres at the moment, it just seems there's no real certainty. Like, you could pick the hammer, but his fantasy isn't great. You know, Reema Smith, which I, who, who I really like, but now he's struggling with a pec injury, so he might not even be ready. Isaac Thompson, who a few of us have got in our team as well, really like him as a player. Obviously, you probably start because Tane is suspended. Love him because he's going to be on the end of that South back line. But at the moment, and I'll show you my team later in the show. But I'm actually thinking of, or well, I have gone Sualehi, to to and then I'm also thinking about bringing someone like a Tony Stags because I wouldn't mind actually those two being my centres and then not having to touch it for a long, long time. And I just think that in the wing fullback position, even T Martin can come in there if he really needs to. But there's just a whole heap because. Perham seems like he's, he, well, he's not a lock, but it looks like he's leading the race for the Bulldogs jersey. And then you've got some other guys in there as the, well. Like you could even move Hammer back into the, the wing fullback. You know, we said T Martin. We've got Sloan, who should be an emergency, who he is in your team. And you could even consider other guys like uh, Lachlan Miller, Xavier Savage. there just seems same skies below that, where you could spend that 550K maybe in the centres, lock up someone good, maybe like a Stagsy and then you don't have to worry too much. Or the other one, and Joseph here, which I'm huge on at the moment. I just think that left centre, he's going to absolutely dominate. You think about a kid of his, like, think about when you debuted, your level of skill. I don't think I've seen a, a guy at 19 years old have as much skill as he did, Tony.
2: Oh, he's a, he's a freak, mate. He's, yeah, they, they don't come along very often. At that age, you know, they can sort of walk straight in the NRL and have sort of the performances that he had last year and that's why I think this year he's only going to get better. Like he, with the confidence and he'll start to grow into himself and, you know, he will be like a young Craig Inglis. And that's my only my only problem I suppose is how do you feed so many mouths at the roosters like yeah. you know, Tedesco's trying to get the ball, Joey Munner's trying to get the ball, Kiri Walker. You know, it's it's that's the hardest thing for a young guy like if he's in a different team He's the go-to man, and he'd be getting it plenty. But I just, yeah, I, I, I really like him, and I think I I want to go with him. Um, I just hope that he gets enough ball.
1: Yeah. Tony, from a first grader's perspective, like for yourself, like for him, he's just so physically gifted at 19 years old. At what age do you, like from you coaching, you playing, you with all your footy mates, what, what age do you think you peak? Uh,
2: for an outside back, probably 22. 23, 24. Yep. Yep. Until they're physically as strong as they're going to be, as, as fast as they're going to be. Well, like, that's the scary thing with someone like him. You look at him, you think he is strong enough to hold himself at first grade NRL level. He is faster than most players playing, mm. and he's 19. So you think he's still got another three, four, five years of, of you know, growing into himself and becoming strong and, so he could be anything. Injuries is the one thing that sort of normally kills most athletes like that because they are so strong, they are so fast that you know they break down. But um, but yeah, if he doesn't, then the, the sky's the limit for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd love to see him play for the Storm. <laughs>
1: <honest>. <laughs> for sure. Um, now, Ross, I'm <laughs> high on Sualehi. What's your thoughts, mate?
0: Just backing up what Tony said there, TK. How much more ball can he get this year? Mm. Um, I have seen his run meters; they have increased. Um, in 2021 compared to 2022. But how many more attacking stats can he get um, this year moving to centre? I see potentially a little bit, maybe a little bit of regression because he had a try scoring and line break strike rate of 0.8 each per game. So if he's going to up that, that scoring one try per game, that's a lot to maintain across a season. I know the Roosters are going to be up at the uh, pointy end of the competition there. But to maintain that throughout a season, that takes a lot of effort. And for a young bloke who's only, what, nineteen, twenty, 20, um, that's going to take a lot uh, to do. So, yeah, I do agree that there is upside there with him. But, yeah, I'm just a little bit hesitant at the moment. I want to watch a little bit more on the trials to see.
1: Come jump on the train with me, Tony. We're going. <laughs> <laughs>
0: do you think he'll
2: get – will he get the jewel? You reckon he'll get the jewel? Yeah, he'll I'll definitely, definitely, get, the he'll get, definitely get the jewel.
1: Mate, they played a video of him at training last week and he made his break during training and he pops this no-look ball on the inside to Tupo and it was just scintillating, like scintillating, mate. Let's move on to the next part. You've you've picked up a couple of players that we have had a look at, but realistically they could end up being pods. Probably the first one's Greg Marzu, who's an absolute hammer on that kind of wing. But yeah, talk talk to me through your interest there in, in Greg Marzu there, Tony.
2: Oh, I just think that they're they're similar type players to like Toho. Like they just literally get the ball, carry. You know, mm. I think Marju did well at the Titans. I like of the little that I watched the Titans, mm. he always seemed to go okay. I don't know why he didn't get much more of a go in first grade. Um, going to Newcastle, I dare say they'll spend plenty of time coming off their own try line, so you'll get you'll get plenty of carries. Um, and for feeder, I think the same. I think they're both the same type of player yep. playing in a team that isn't great and therefore they will get plenty of chances to sort of come and carry the ball um, so yeah so I guess a cheaper version of, of Toho but um, similar type players.
1: Yeah Raleigh Raleigh actually did extensive he's the one that covered Titans over the preseason which is great to have him here so Raleigh your thoughts because he's an interesting one on Mazu like Tony said he is kind of like a carbon copy of Brian Toho, he just bounces out of tackles and he's kind of got that low centre of gravity. But what did you make of him when you did a bit of analysis over the preseason?
0: I think TK, the big thing at uh, Newcastle this year, with Miller now going there, he's going to eat up a lot of metres from the back as well um, with Marju. So he is going to, I suppose, be that metre eater and rack up 150 to 200 each week um, in those tackle busts, in in that same sort of mould as Brian Toho. So there is upside there but I just don't see the try-scoring potential with him that we want in our outside backs because mm. that's how they reach their ceiling every week um, and go through their floor just to this 25- to 30-point player. You want quick cash generation with them, and that's why we look at teams uh, this year like the Cows, Melbourne, uh, Bunnies, the Chooks, uh, Sharkies, those sort of teams to pick out outside backs in. But
2: yeah, just having a look at Fafida. feeder.
0: Um, second year, natural progression again. Um, he is going to improve. His run metres were down um, compared to Mazu. He averaged around 145 uh, per game last year compared to Fafita, which was, I think, about one five one ten. 110. So I do see upside there, but particularly with Khan Pereira coming in to start the season as well. Fafita is going to have to take more responsibility there. Brimson's not a huge runner of the footy out of trouble, so Fafita could really take on... A big responsibility and a huge workload there and I suppose rack up a decent base of yeah 30 to 35 points if he can churn out 200, 250 every week which is huge mm.
1: I think the biggest thing here Tony is do you want to spend 500k on like that punt? Like for me I'd rather take it on the sewer Lee here and maybe just ride the roosters narrative like I just think that if any you're going to get a jewel out of he as well so I just think that that mm-hmm. might be so that's the thing with Brian toho I think Brian toho and Sua might score very similar but just with the jewel mm-hmm. and you need to cover different like the buys I think that's the biggest thing now like the more quality players that we can get with a jewel I think the more safer because who knows they might go through another crackdown round and then all of a sudden we lose three players or there's injuries or you know what the NRL is like man like it's just sure. so much like different stuff happens every week that I think the more versatility we have with quality players, I think the better that your team's going to look. So I actually like the fact that you're thinking this way because you're kind of going – I don't think it's that bad to go against the grain because it means that you're thinking about different players and then once there – there could be – it's great that you identified them now because I think they could become valuable in different parts of the season. So, yeah, especially Jojo Fafita. I'm a huge fan of him. Like, I thought he really played well at the back end of the season. So, at the moment, i would stick to all those guys on the watch list. Brian Tohle, maybe a post-Origin, because it would be great to have him flying in your team post-Origin and, you know, the Panthers going on a little bit of a tear there. So, I think maybe just go with Suu just to maybe have a little bit more certainty, a little bit more kind of versatility to start the season. But let's move on. Next question, mate.
2: Uh... Next one. Have I got too many under 300 Ks? Um, and do I have the right ones? I'm not keen on Khan Pereira. I think he'll only get a few games. And, mm. yeah, I don't think he's a big meter eater. Um, I saw Tafaro the other day, so I'm going to give him a miss. Uh, not keen on the hammer. Uh, I just don't think he's playing in a strong team. I can't see him doing well. So... Yeah, have I got too many? And I have I got the right ones, I suppose, of the sort of the 250 and under 300 Ks?
0: Yeah,
1: let's identify them here first, Riley. So we've got Perrim in the f- starting team. We've got Blore, Stone, Dory, Talao and Stone. So that's his six. What's your thoughts, Rolls?
0: I'd probably nearly include um, Martin in there too, TK. I believe once you do upgrade your squad and potentially get rid of Robson and put cheese in there and you can upgrade your bench... Um, you're going to have more balance because ideally we want five to six um, players in your squad that are under 300K if we do include Martin in there as well. So your emergencies are all great selections, though. Um, Bloor may not get a significant enough of a role at the Tigers um, if Bateman does come. Depending on what he's going to do now, there's a little bit of mail around his availability and whether he's going to be um, fit and ready to play round one. Mm. Um, And then I just... Look at C and K and Martin, having them both in the same team. They're spine members from the Warriors, so the Warriors don't go real well one week. You've got two scorers in your 17 who are probably going to go sub-30 just because they're not picking up the attacking stats they need um, through the uh, try assists, line line-breaks, break assists. So um, something to look at there and uh, maybe choose between one of them, potentially lean towards Martin just because of that dual Um, And he is, what, 60K cheaper. So it's easier to generate that 150K in value.
1: Yeah. I think you're going to get a good couple of tigers here, Tony. Like Sean Bloor, I think he will start. The other one's Justin Matamilla, who's doing plenty of reps at at lock as well. So, And if he starts at lock, he'll get a dual, which is really nice. Even if he was only to play 40 minutes, he could maybe score maybe 35, 40 points. He's at 230K. So keep him in your watch list. He's doing really, really well. And I guess the, the big one with Blurry, they just had. An, I was just reading an article on The Telegraph and they were saying, like, uh, Bateman should be here this week, but they reckon he might be carrying an ankle injury. So, like, and you can imagine, like, you've lived in, in the UK, Tony. Like, I, d- I can't imagine him be doing much running, like, <laughs> at the moment, right?
2: No, not, not this time of year. No, it's all ice and sleet and snow, so... Yeah, if he's got an ankle injury. He may be carrying a few kilos as well.
1: Yeah, he could be severely under, like, done. He might have to be on the bench for a little while until he picks up his fitness, especially when you think you've got to come back here, play in 30 degrees heat. Like, yeah, maybe he's going to be riding the bench. So it might be a good opportunity for, for us to pick both Blore and also Matamua. But if that was the case, Rolls probably the question is, like, the other ones, Talau, who would probably be pressing for a first-grade spot. Can we have three emergencies from the Tigers?
0: It's hard TK, they don't have that early buy. So uh cash generation, are you gonna be able to move a couple of them on early enough? Potentially you wanna hold to allow the longest just because of that duel So yeah. he's gonna give you the most cover. So if Bloor has a significant enough of a role at a break even of seventeen, he's gonna quickly generate cash. If he can score um forties a couple of weeks in a row, he's gonna generate um one fifty K in five, six, seven seven, eight weeks. So he's probably gonna quickly be able to move on. Um, Similarly to Matt depending on his role in that team, you look at the amount of big men and forwards they've got. They've got Clem, uh, Paps, Bateman, depending on how many he plays, Joe O, Fanua Pole really come onto the scene at the end of last year. But just with the men around him in that Tigers pack, you'd say he's probably going to go back to a 30-minute role this year. So, um, yeah, potentially, but... There are plenty of other options there, so maybe you can, I suppose, select just one of them um, depending on the cover that you need in your squad.
1: Yeah, Tony, I think your team's going to be shaping up really nicely when your namesake is your 18th man. Like, I think is going to be good enough to play as a 17th, like, in the top 17 this year. So I think he'll do really well at the Dragons this year. And the same is, you know, Hayes Perham. So the fact that you got a 250 and a 298 wing fullback probably allows you to not only pick up Sua Lehi and maybe a backup centre if you really, really need it, but I think that allows you to have someone... Because usually you would probably wouldn't have an 18th man that's 313K. Usually he'd probably be like 250, 260. But because of the, the fact that you're, you're saving money on Sloan and Perrin probably allows you to spend... And then it gives you a little bit of versatility. We talked about the jewels before. And I think that's great as well because you've got Tanner Boyd. Just say you need Tanner Boyd for a hooker one week then you could probably put Tony, Mar- uh, Tony, Martin, Tamari Martin into the halves. Yeah, Tamari Martin into the halves if you ever need him to play a little bit of cover because Nico's obviously got an early buy as well. So there's going to be a point where you have to select one of them to play in the halves as well. So I actually do, at the moment, Tamari Martin is my 18th man and I do like him for that factor of versatility for sure. Cool,
2: cool. Yeah. Um- my last question, and this is my, uh, my captaincy strategy, so I'm just uh, floating this one to see what you boys think, but uh, yeah. is starting with Nico Hines, the fact that Cleary has the buy in round three, and then at some stage between sort of either round four or round five, then swipping, switching Hines out and bringing Cleary in. So essentially you always have Hines or Cleary as a captain up to up to origin, obviously.
1: Ross, is he going trade happy? We haven't even started yet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Do I get extra trades because I came on this?
0: <laughs> What's your thoughts, Riley? Uh, I would highly not recommend uh, doing that strategy, TK, for a number of reasons. <laughs> one being it's sideways um, in round six, maybe in round twenty twenty one, and um, when we get there um trades early on you want to focus on cash generation and bringing in guns through maxed out cash cows two you'll have to spend a trade to bring Heinz back in then because he is clearly the second best half in the comp so really you're wasting a trade as well then and then three apart from Heinz you should have three to five other guns above 600k in your squad who you can captain that week so uh if Robson still is in your team and Cotter, they're perfect examples of captaincy options for that week.
1: Yeah, I think so too. That's the, I think that's the biggest thing, Tony, that to get rid of Hines, to bring Cleary in, and then what do you do over the origin period? So if you don't really want to run the gauntlet with Hines early, you might even want to maybe go Cameron Murray, or that might even allow you to run a Reese Robson if you really want to. But for me, I'm locking in Nico Hines. I just think that he was going to be very, very strong again, but given that the Sharks have two... Like, the Sharks are one of the first teams to finish their bias. By round 17, they're done. So if you really want, you could run the last 10 games with Nico Hines. So that's another strategy that you could do. And because at the halves, there is some good options, right? Like, you've got one of them at the moment in Jackson Hastings. But I'm projecting Matt Burden pretty high as well. So if you wanted to go another gun mid, maybe in a Cameron Murray mould, the only thing you do with Cameron Murray, you, you run the gauntlet with his head knocks, right? And he's played a lot of footy over the last few years, so that's my only concern with Cameron Murray. But on a week-to-week basis, I think he will produce. So you could even go if you if you wanted to get into this strategy of waiting for Nico until that round 17 buy. You could probably go maybe Cameron Murray and then maybe block in someone who I think will have because Matt Bernard didn't score a hell of a lot of attacking stats last year, and he still scored 52. And they're talking about at the moment like. I think last week in scrimmage, Flanner was running reserve grade, and they had both New Brown and and uh, Grubsey running first grade. So maybe one of them might be partnering Burden, which will mean that he's kicking – he'd probably do all of it, like seriously. like So his stats could go through the roof. Yeah, he only kicked two goals last year too. Even one's an extra two points. So, yeah, maybe food for thoughts there that maybe you could go – you could lose maybe both Cotter and Carrigan, get Murray – get Burden in there, and then maybe go another mid-range mid. So that could be another option that you could consider.
2: Do you think Burden will out uh, outscore Dewey?
1: Great question. Like, it, it's an interesting Riley because they're both in the same boat, right? Because they both didn't goal kick that much. For me, Burden doesn't... I don't think... I think Burden actually adds to his kicking. Well, I think Bur, uh, Adam Dwayhe will get some sucked away from by Luke Brooks. But, rolls your thoughts?
0: I think there's similar players, TK, uh, like game styles and I suppose roles in their team, but potentially a C see Burton being the highest scoring half just because he is going to be more dominant than Dwayhe with the kick meters as well. Um, and the dogs are a better side. So over the season, I expect him to gain more points through goal kicking than what what I would say Dwayhe would.
1: Yeah, that left edge, Tony, when you think, you know, kick out, O'Carr. you already know you already know what he does with O'Carr. you add kick into the mix and then... He's centred probably on that side of uh, Brayden Burns or Alamotti. So quite a strong left side, strong side, right? So you'd have to expect that not only that he will create opportunities for them, but just the sheer fact of two of the best, what, the winger and edge being there, take a little bit of pressure off him as well because he's going to have more space. So
2: Cool, cool. Um, and I've only really got one other, which was just come up from listening to the Dragons podcast the other day, but uh, about the two edge back rowers. What do we think about those two?
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting so we- how they line up. Like, Billy Burns, Colby kind of got him on the radar because he's quite cheap as well, right? I guess the problem there, Raleigh, is the fact that they've got – they're going to play the Charity Shield with that Jack Bird, right? So they might get flogged, and then he's probably going to rearrange the team again. Like, I've got no confidence apart from – Tyrell Sloan and Ben Hunt. The rest of the team, I've got no idea how it's going to shape up. Maybe Lomax.
0: But... Yeah, I, I agree, TK. And there's enough value options in the edge uh, through Garner, Hopgood, uh, Sean Bloor, um, and then a, a couple other options as well. We don't need to go down that uh, Dragons route and be with that uncertainty and have a red dot in week two. Like, imagine that, having a red dot, and you're not even on a buy. So potentially one to steer clear of, um, and Corbs might be leading us astray there. <laughs>
1: and family wiener as well. See, Tony, I reckon the way to beat your son this year is not to get cute early. Like, let's start well. Like, well, I haven't started well once, and I've still finished, like, quite <laughs> quite well in the top 500, but my, my round ones from the last two years have been shocking. Like, so I'm trying not to get too cute. I'm probably going to show you a team, and you're going, you tonight, that you're going to go, you're going, getting cute again. But... <laughs> this is one of those things I just think we just got to just make some really smart decisions early and get that versatility across the the team pumping and I think the rest of it will kind of set itself because your team structure is great mate like and you've picked enough guns there I just think that a couple little things that we picked up tonight and I think your team's in the right direction there
2: beautiful thank you very much
1: alright Tony what we'll do to finish the show we'll show you mine and Riley's team because I'm pretty sure that you probably learned more from Riley than mine but We'll bring Roller's one first, first, and uh, Roller, take, take us through any of the changes you made this week, and maybe a couple of little things that you're seeing. I know that Cohen Hess was high on your, your agenda this week.
0: Yeah, so Cohen Hess is another player I've brought in this week, and particularly getting that role at the Cowboys there, mid-edge, similar sort of role projecting to what Tom Gilbert played last year, who averaged high 40s, so, uh, yeah, on spot on forty, sorry, so, uh, with a break-even of 33 Hess, there is money to be made there, seven points of value. So it could be that perfect mid to carry up to that first buy round. Um, that the Cowboys do have, and then you trade off um, to a gun who you can have all the way through the run home, particularly looking at uh, Sharkies players and Tigers players who mm-hmm. do have early buys. So you could have a look at Clem, um, Joe O, Bateman, um, depending on how they're going as well. McInnes, um, if he's locked down a decent role. So Liero is someone I'm really keen on now as well he's brought in this week um and Miller and Savage I'm tossing up between as well um similar sort of roles again thinking maybe Savage now just because he is in that better team and more attacking upside um there so yeah that's it for me
1: yeah Tony picking your brain a little bit and kind of like Lockie Miller you know someone that's come into grade quite late did you have any teammates that kind of came into late and kind of like how did they go
2: Oh, yeah, I'd say the most high profile was a guy called Gareth Thomas, who was a Welsh international rugby union player, mm. uh, captain of his country, played forever, uh, and then came to rugby league and, and struggled. Yeah, I, I've looked at Lockie Miller and, like you say, like the games that he played for the Sharks last year, he did really well. So he looks good. Oh, yeah, I'm steering clear of him because I reckon he might find it a bit tougher in a tougher team. Yeah, um, going forward like with his pace and Seven's background and things like that, I think he, he looked awesome. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think he might struggle at the Knights, but, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm in Pretty the phenomenal.
1: same mindset as the moment. But any questions for Raleigh off off his team there, Tony?
2: Yeah, you've hacked on T. Martin all night, and yet you've got him in your team. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm happy you've redeemed yourself, Raleigh, so I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, no, i um, I guess is my question, is in I think it's round four they're now saying that uh, that Lukey comes back, does Cohen Hess then go back to the bench? Does he then become a bench player And like any money he does generate in those first few rounds? Does he start to lose that?
0: Mm. I th- I think for the f- uh, first part of the season, at least Tony, Hall, majority through to at least round 10, he is going to start on the edge and play that Tom Gilbert role where he plays there for the first 20 to 30 minutes and then moves into edge um, to play another 20 or 30 minutes. So you want to have a look at uh, the Cowboys bench to start with. Um, And on TK's narrative where uh, Robson may not play 80 minutes all year, Granville's going to come on and spell him. So there's more middle minutes to pick up there because at the back end of last year, Granville was coming on playing 15, 20 through the middle. So um, Hess could pick up those as well. I just think there is that upside there for him. We have seen him previously on the edge. He's a try-scoring machine. Um, he's great under the high ball. So he's another target there for the Cowboys. Um, and it, I suppose it takes – draws a little bit of attention away from Nanai this year because he may be better marked. So they may really go early at Hess um, and take some attention off Nanai.
2: Yeah. Oh, and the other one, I guess, would be, like, do you obviously see Hamaso over someone like Remus Smith –
0: like what, what upside do you sort of see for Hammer mm. so, as a Dolphins? I think with Remus and I suppose under a little bit of an inju- injury cloud to be fit for round one and we maybe not him in the trials, he's someone I want to avoid just because of that. Um, looking at Hammer and the high percentage he's owned, it's only 40%, so it's ridiculous. Um, similar to the way TK was saying here, he wants to start safe and start well in the season. I think it's only too dangerous to anti him. Um, and he does have that dual too, so it gives you plenty of flexibility between your wing fullbacks and centers. Potentially means you don't have to carry someone like Tommy Talau on the bench if you can play Hammer at fullback, say, and you do have two centers. It gives you you can shift Hammer up to center then, and that's your center cover. So, um, yeah, just a little bit of reasoning there.
1: All right, let's move to my team. And I've been saying, play safe, play it safe. I had, to tolerate, I had to tolerate my team today, so I wasn't playing safe at all. But I guess my strategy here at the moment, Tony, is I'm looking probably at quality Kiwis and players that probably won't play Origin. Like, there's always going to be, you know, you guys like Tony Staggs and Su- especially Sueli Su- here, especially if I'm my Roosters narrative gets off then I think that he'll be pressing for a New South Wales spot considering that he was in the squad last year. But I'm, I'm just high on a few... I'm, like, it's probably two things. is like I said, the Kiwis, but also pressing for people that I think will continue to develop. Like, for Lachlan Ilias, I don't think there's a huge... Like, I think he can average kind of in that low 40s. I think that he took... Uh, in that semi-final series, he just super impressed me. Just the way he defended, the way he just... His kick meters just went up, his running game. Just looked like a young fella that had the weight of the world. And I guess that probably comes on the back of Latrell Mitchell. So we've got to kind of track that, considering that he's in a little bit of trouble off the field as well. You'd want Latrell Mitchell firing because he takes a lot of pressure off his halves. That is for sure. But what I've tried to do here is just get a little bit more versatility. Aaron Clark's in there at the moment. If he doesn't start at lock, it's at mid... the value there, Aaron Clark, is him playing 50-55 minutes and getting a jewel there because then you can kind of, you've got your three hookers that way without having to spend over six hundred k. Adam Elliott, really, he wasn't in my team again until today when I saw him back on the trading paddock, which was great. You, John Tarps, the man, this week, this year, I think Joseph Tarps is going to absolutely explode. Like his back end form last year, I don't think there's a prop in the game that has his skill set in terms of his ability to turn a game, his ability to run through teams, offload. Put on a big hit, like I don't think anyone has the entire skill set that he's got. High on the two storm guys, I just think that if you take the two storm edge players, you probably can't take Remus Smith, you probably don't want three of them at that kind of price. And then for me, said and forget, Nico Hines, Katoni Staggs. This is the first day that he's made his way into my team, and I've just got this analogy that maybe there just isn't enough good wing full, uh, sorry, centers that I'll, I might spend my money there to lock two good centers two guys that I think can score in that mid-40s and maybe I might not even have to move him out pending injury or origin for the rest of the year high on Xavier Savage I think that he's got huge upside again very similar to a few players in his age bracket as you know just development from strength to strength I think he's like the big part I think that we'll get out of him this year is just a little bit more base and he looks in great physical nick as well. So, for me, just looking as well, Hop could probably get a mid-edge there as well. Matamor, the same. I don't expect Alamotti. I think that at the moment I'm just – I haven't got any money. So, I'll probably have to – I do have the ability to, unfortunately, punt T. Martin. So, I can raise some cash that way, mate. So, sorry. Sorry to break your heart. But, yeah, mate, shoot away any questions that you've got for what I'm doing here.
2: Uh, Yeah, I I think you pretty much covered it. Eric Clark is someone that I'd sort of looked at, but, yeah, again, has to get that 13-year-old to to sort of be sold on it. Savage, he was one that, yeah, I'm interested in. He's a North Queensland boy. He's from Kerwin. I um, was involved with coaching the school team here against him a couple of years ago, and he was a freak. Mm. Um, So it's been awesome to see him go down and do well, and I think he will do well as he gets older, it's just, yeah, it's just the base, I suppose, for those younger guys that aren't big physical bodies like Suwalehi. Um It's does he get the sort of the base stats. Um, Lachlan Elias killed me in draft last year. He was in my draft. <laughs> and so, you know, you just have these mental blocks with people. Like, you know, it's just like, oh, I've felt like ringing his coach. I used to play with Jace Demetrio at Wakefield and I felt like ringing him <laughs> young me. What the hell are you doing? Hooking him, like before half time, seriously, you're killing me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's one of those, isn't it? It's, yeah, it again, I can look at Riley's turn and go, wow, that looks awesome. I look at your turn and go, wow, that looks awesome. And that's, that's where my brain just starts to fry because it's like, oh God, I need to go and get rid of everyone and bring them all back in. But I didn't realize that about the two storm back rowers. I, yeah, I thought they would have put Sims on, on one edge and those two boys would have sort of competed for that other edge, but um, that's yeah, fair news if, if they both get in.
1: Yeah, just, uh, a, just a nice way to spread some cash, right, because you're not overspending 389K, 448K. Like, I don't think, again, like, historically Storm backrollers score around 40 points. I do think their skill set's a little bit different to the two, you know, veterans that yeah. they're replacing, but I still think that maybe it'll be fair to maybe average both of them and maybe that 42 to 44. So I wouldn't think that there's there's still a huge amount of money to be made. So I think that's the biggest upside, especially for round one. Get that cash accumulation going on while you're getting some, some good scorers. So I think you could lock them in. Trent Leroux, in his fourth starts on an edge, actually averages 48. So he's actually got a little bit of background there as well. So someone to keep an eye on in the trials. Definitely played very, very well in the mids there as well, mate. So... Yeah, keep him handy.
2: The one, question, the one question I suppose I've got for you is, um, like, middle forwards that play off the bench, like, and this is probably where I fall down, I only look at players who I believe that will start in the starting 13. Yeah. But you've got someone like Matamua who, and I, and I go against myself because I've got Stone who won't start, but do you think there's value in, like, a middle forward who will come on and play 30, 35 minutes if they are priced at 230, 250? Yeah. Over a starting, making sure you have a starting thirteen like one of those dragons, edge back or a Sean law or something like that. Like, where, who, where do you see more value?
0: Yeah, that's a great question, Rose, You want to go first? I think last year we looked at Maxi King, um, who did the same role for the doggies off the bench. One big thing you want to look at: a they are basement price around that two thirty two fifty k, plus b they've got to be a high PPM player, so you can't have someone coming on. Um, playing 40 minutes on an edge, there's just not enough um, base stats there through run metres and tackles generally to score well. You want a middle forward who's going to come on and probably rack up 20 tackles, 100 metres, few tackle busts and an offload because, say, there's 35 points and with a break even of 17, you've got 17 points of value there. So, ideally, you only want them to score 27 points on um, the time they're on the field to have that 10 points. Mm. Um, there's 150 k. so... Definitely look for it. You want to really track their PPM, though, and the significance of their role. And you look at Maxie King last year, like he turned out to be a keeper mid pretty much who got a starting role and eventually he impressed that much. So, um, yeah, watch out for that in the trials. I suppose that's something really you can track.
1: Yeah, I guess, Tony, someone like Ray Stone, the beauty of him is he's going to be in the 17, right? And their depth is really short. So he's only one injury away from starting, right? Like if, you know, if Marshall King got injured, he'd probably be the next hooker up. Or you've got uh, maybe Nick Rima. one of those two will be the next hooker up. And then at lock as well, you know, if Gilbert goes down, like he'll have to be the natural next hook, like lock. So if you can get a slow burn out of him, at least you're kind of guaranteeing that he'll probably be in the 17 each week. And then maybe he's the next guy up as well. So I don't think he's going to do you too badly as well. So I don't think Ray Stone's too, too bad of a pick there, even though he's 257K, but yeah that's for me I just think that yeah during the year I think Ray Stone will get some good minutes as well as some other guys Justin Matamua who you just mentioned as well and a couple of other little guys like who knows Blory might be going between starting and then back to the bench as well but some good cashies to be made there I think a few people will get get some surprises out of these cashies this year it's a way better bunch than last year where there was no reserve grade there was no flag and all that sort of stuff so I think we're in a better spot this year to get a hell of a lot more cashies there Tone
2: Cool Cool, cool. All right, you've given me a lot to think about.
1: <laughs> well, mate, if you cannot beat your son, you're not ever invited uh, back.
2: Uh, I'll, I'll be sending regular questions, don't worry. I'll be, uh, <laughs> I'll be on the chat all, every week. So, yeah, nah, appreciate the help tonight, boys. Much nah. appreciated. I'll go away and have a think and see how
1: we go I love it mate well Tony thanks for sharing a few of the stories at the start of the show mate and mate it's been a pleasure to have you on the first well it's sure. not, you're not the first NRL player on the show but you are the first I think premiership winner
2: there you go Rolls we'll have to uh, we'll have to catch up in Rocky one day
0: sounds and good Tony me, look forward to help, it
2: help me with my team mid-season when I'm just about to delete
0: out I love it see if we can sort out a live Q&A with Jakey one week ah yeah it's, he's here in Rocky too yep yeah yeah okay Yep. Yeah. alright let me
1: know definitely boys. Yeah, okay. good, boys well ladies and gentlemen thank you for tuning in to Team Doctor I really appreciate your company if you want to be on one of the shows coming up please either message us on the direct message on Facebook Instagram or Twitter or just send me an email at info at com. but plenty more shows to go today I'm trying to think what we actually dropped today we dropped the Titans. The Titans with Riley and Jakey. They smashed through that one. Wednesday, we're going to be having the Melbourne Stormwear with Kyle. And then Friday, Dolphins with Jake. We've got live Q&A. That's going to be a little bit later this week. It's Thursday. It's going to be 8.30 New South Wales time. 7.30 on Queensland time. Jakey's going to be taking the mantle there with Riley. Corby. And we're going to be debuting one of the new blokes, Shawnee. So be on the lookout. Shawnee's been writing some great articles for us during the preseason. So look out for that. But really appreciate your company tonight, ladies and gentlemen. And we will check you on another one during the week. Catch us later.